Good evening. Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Sam Vallon. How are you? I'm good. How, how are you doing, Sean? I'm doing awesome. Sam is the musician, guitar player from Caligula's Horse. How are you? This is awesome. Yeah, good to, good to be here. Uh, good to be here amongst this you know, incredibly diverse range of guests. Thank you. Thank you. I try to miss it up because I think the world, I think we all, a lot of people, especially in metal, if I roll it back, are the most open-minded people. You know, there was a study, and I don't know when it came out a couple years ago, and it said um, metal people that are, you know, like us rockers are the most open-minded, diverse people yeah, out there and the happiest. It, it doesn't, no? I mean, I, yeah, I, like, hanging out with any of my kind of metal buddies, I mean, right. like, these are people listening to Dua Lipa and, you know, like, <laughs> going down to play some sport. I mean, it's, it's, it's just yeah. like everything happens in this, in this little scene, hey? And that's what it is. I mean, it, like I said, that's why my goal of the show is to talk about all types of music and all the influences. And and that, and it is like perfectly. Your band is so heavy, but you're a huge fan of Steely Dan, which as I am, I got lots of vinyl nice. of Steely Dan. You know, so I mean, you don't would think you listen to your band is Steely Dan at the top. Somebody who doesn't listen to the music would be like, I don't see it. I totally see it. Thanks. Clean, I, I feel like clean. anyone who really very digs clean. into it. No, it's very clean playing. There's a certain intricacy and, and you have a certain niche that you in the way you play you know mm. in that style definitely you know? and we steal a lot of the harmony as well i mean like if you kind of look at what makes steely dan steely dan a big part of it was that kind of injecting of you know very jazz-esque color into like this this kind of marketable poppy rocky um package you know we love the the harmony a lot of metal bands don't a lot of metal bands it's a little bit more kind of black and white mm -hmm. for us you know we want major chords and minor chords and drama and whatever else um, so that's a big lesson that i well to me that really makes a few on. differences for you guys a mm. it makes you guys more of a progressive band and mm. and and if you haven't heard how what i think of progressive music i think of it's more of a progressive is to me is is, is very is like smart rock that goes where the song goes it could be heavy it could be light mm. it goes to the song and sometimes it can be very long sometimes it can be tedious sometimes. <laughs> sometimes not your music but sometimes just like the blues i mean in, in all music but but on a serious point it does usually write to the songs it doesn't have a formula as much as say a pop song mm, no. very much so two, i four, mean two, for, four, for, two, four. you're gonna get mixed notes you're not gonna do four four two four two four you might get seven you're saying your numbers are gonna change Exactly. Like for us, it ends up being that, um, you know, we, we, we have these larger scale kind of themes or, or even narratives in some cases. And if we're not able to um, kind of uh, like highlight those or portray those in the music, they're kind of wasted. You know, it ends up being this much larger dramatic ebb and flow mm. between happy, sad, heavy, light, whatever else. And I think each of those ebbs and flows makes the ones around them more exciting and more dynamic, you know. Well, having an arc in a song does add to it. Let's just mm. roll back just a tad bit and talk about the beginning, a little bit of the beginning. We won't go, we won't do a full behind the music thing here or anything, but um, <laughs> unless you want to. But let's start at the beginning though. Like how cool your name is, where you came up with the name. Because I just want to put it out there because I, I, I know, but I'd like you to kind of talk about the beginning of your band too a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, the, so the band name. Let me, let me work out where to start here. I mean, the the, the very beginnings of the band are a little There's bit. There's no wrong uh, answer. <laughs> yeah, sure. Your band. A, a little, a little more nebulous than some band beginnings, in that we didn't kind of, you know, have this meeting between a couple of different people. Where we said, "Let's start a band." Uh, it was actually like a studio project that I had worked on for 
a decent amount of time before the first album kind of entirely independently you know I'd, I'd written all of the music I'd kind of um, worked together some degree of the aesthetic of what it would become and I had in my mind that I was just going to have like a group of guest vocalists you know mm-hmm. like one on each song for what would become the first Seahorse album um, I ended up working with Jim who you know I was a fan of some of the work he was doing in other bands we kind of knew each other just in passing we were acquaintances um, and we just you know had a, had, a, had a really good time got along really well um, the collaboration felt really you know natural and fulfilling and interesting so we kind of decided then and there that the the whole album would feature Jim Gray um it was still more or less like a Sam Valen solo album which is really funny to look back and see because it changed so much over the years um but basically I had a song sounds like a jazz artist you know you do the Sam Valen solo album (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I know right Sam Valen and the timekeepers (laughs) yeah that's it and I mean it could have been something something a lot more like that. I don't know. I don't know. It would have had a very different trajectory if that were, were true. But yeah, so I had an instrumental tune, um, which I was calling Caligula's Horse at the time. I guess we can talk about, you know, the meaning and whatever else in a moment. But um, we realized that, you know, we needed a band name. And we just thought that that was, for a couple of reasons, a pretty interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Um, for those at home who, who don't know, Caligula was, uh, was an early Roman emperor. There's a lot of stories, many of which are probably actually apocryphal, interestingly enough, um, about his kind of debauched reign. Um, Long story short, um, he ostensibly made his horse a consul, although that was probably more an argument about like, you know, these politicians are so useless, my horse could do a better job than them. Um, But, you know, the the story goes, apocryphal or not, that um, the horse was kind of his prized possession and uh, more or less like he, he, you know, he treated this horse as though it was equal to a, to a person, uh, whatever. Um, now, in terms of like common use, Caligula's horse is sometimes sort of seen to mean like a fraud or a phony. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just thought it was kind of interesting to, to, you know, one, name this kind of progressive metal band as such. And two, um, attach all of those connotations, like all of those weird historical stories with all of their debauchery and, you know, whatever else kind of a Caligula was the original dirt. I mean, that's really. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's not really any, any special significance beyond that. You know, we're just both kind of history buffs who enjoyed the stories, thought it had a bit it's of a, a ring. It's to a cool it, name. I mean, besides, you know, like the, college, like the Rubicon or some kind of other, you know. <laughs> So I actually had a friend who had a band called The Rubicon exactly when I was starting Caligula's Horse, which is kind of interesting that you, you say ever, that. You ever, read, you ever read that book? Caesar's <laughs> uh, um, uh, Rubicon? I, I actually haven't. I, I definitely know of it, best, though. Best book ever. Yeah. But, um, so it was, it was one of those things where, you know, we, we, we liked the name back then. And unlike a lot of bands who, you know, come to regret it, I still like it. I think it's a pretty cool band name provided uh, people don't have trouble pronouncing it, which they sometimes do when they have no idea. That's the only really? problem we run into. Well, it's more just like uh, it doesn't stick in your mind if you don't say it a couple of times. So that was probably it's the one mistake It's perfect in some ways. Who, who has anything against a horse to begin with? Caligula <laughs> right. is already known, so you already have a popular name. Mm. I mean, think, PR is already out there for you. It's nothing bad. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean everyone knows it's Caligula, so like, it's a familiar word, and Caligula's horse, and like, oh, like it's it's really good marketing, actually, if you think about it. Yeah, well, I mean, it hasn't done us wrong. Like I said, you know, I, I, I still like it. We do get the occasional person who's like, what? You know, and we just have well, to be like, seahorse, seahorse yeah. is fine. <laughs> you know, that Little Mermaid band. No, Caligula's Horse. Yeah, I think it sounds okay. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> so 
you started off with the album though I, and i think i like the fact you guys kind of you clicked as a team singer guitar player mm-hmm. and i think it's important and you know a lot of times when you find certain musicians sometimes people don't we appreciate them at the moment and very few times you find your 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 jagger richards your you know what i'm saying your mm-hmm. toxic ones like you, you know there's only a few people that you find that your 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 muse to help you write songs when you yeah. have them you should kind of keep them in your life at some level yeah definitely definitely and i mean for, for for that if you consider the differences between the early caligula source stuff and kind of how it developed i mean a big part of that was just us gradually finding our feet as a collaborative partnership but mm-hmm. you know G- jim's great he finishes my musical sentences and, and and vice versa like it's come to sort of the point where just creating music with them is really really fulfilling you know back in the day it was a battle you know we'd fight our ideas back and forth and get get to you know whatever the product product was at the end through sheer violence but you know nowadays we're we're old men who can just sit around and have a really good time writing together. You need your energy to take care. Of your, you need your energy to take care of your kids. That's what it is. You're like, I can't fight this. You know what? I'm just happy to not have to have somebody throwing up on me. <laughs> exactly. I mean, right. like a person. Happy I mean, to, yeah. Happy that he's off at daycare today, so I yeah. can chill for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> the world changed a little bit. You know. Definitely. But the music's gotten better, though. It hasn't slowed you down, though, by any means. You know. No, not at all. Not at all. You don't sound like a bunch of new dads. You don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually kind of surprised at like all the energy of these albums. I mean, you really knock it out of the park. It's it's the you know what it is though it's it's that kind of feeling of like as as your band grows I mean we, we we've we've discussed this in the band it's something that we're all really aware of you know as as we've gotten bigger and as you know tours have been better attended and we've gone to different places it's like for us the music kind of has to match that changing audience like mm-hmm. Rise Radiant was very much a direct response to you know doing um, you know a couple of big European tours and doing like you know Latin America doing the Pro Power Festival in the U.S. The Remember, like, back, to has. back to back. What's that? The monster sound it has. It's a big sounding. Yeah, but 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 just kind of writing something that is is almost explicitly catered to that kind of setting, you know, the big okay. stage. You got to think the album before that was this big uh, kind of almost meandering concept album, whereas you know, Rise Radiant was a bit more, a bit more of a punch, I guess. Well, that's that's good though. I mean, I like when an album. I like diversity. Obviously, you see my guest list, so I like when I can put yeah. an album on here different stuff. I like when the albums are different between the two. Me yeah. too. I can't stand it being the same over and over. I just, I couldn't do that. It would be so disingenuous, you know? Well, because you have different moods for different stuff. So and it's That's even better right. for me if, if a band I like has a couple of different sounds in the albums, because then if I'm listening to the band, I can just listen to something else instead of just going yeah. out. There's something different. So it kind of keeps you in the same wheelhouse, you know? Definitely. Definitely. You're not in the mood for chugs. Let's put on the light song. Right. So, so one of the things that like with the, with your sounds though, and, and the design, as we were talking earlier, like your merchandise, your album covers, the songs, even maybe the songwriting, what's the, is there a concept behind it? Because everything feels very, very focused, clean, very artsy. I mean, you, mm. you actually, you're, you actually do have Prince, not, yeah. not, the, not the singer, <laughs> the fleet <laughs> singer, Prince with the TS that of, of, of your albums, you know, that people can mm. buy. So it's truly not just art, but it's a piece of art. It's actually art that you can put on your wall. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, we we kind of put diversity first, like in our vision for art. I mean, you, you'll probably notice if you look at all of our album covers. I mean, I, I, I like them all. I think they're all great, but they are all drastically different. You know, you get a lot of bands who uh, I'm Im- immediately thinking about bands like Cradle of Filth as an example, where like there's this aesthetic that they've followed for decades and, and it's awesome. It's always them. You know, you recognize it straight away. Um, I think Opeth until kind of their progressive rock era did mm-hmm. the same kind of thing. A lot, a lot of bands do. Um, we we kind 
kind of have the opposite approach. It's like every album needs to be this very self-contained entity, um, both aesthetically, like, you know, the, the kind of outward visual of it, and in terms of the sound and the concept behind it. And because we put a lot of stock in that, like because we are so focused on making everything feel distinct and feel, um, you, know, you know, singular, it kind of follows that a lot of the art that's attached to it, like the paramusical stuff, like, you know, merchandise design, visuals, whatever else, should also be equally singular and thus kind of important because, you know, it, it, it attaches directly to an album's um, to an album's campaign or an album's, you know, release period, whatever. Um, so that's kind of one of the reasons that we actually do put a lot of stock into it. And I mean, you know, again, this this for a lot of people might be seen as a, a really bad move because it means that we don't have this very specific image that is really easy to market and really easy to put, uh, you know, across all of our media, all of our websites, all of our socials, whatever else that always looks like us and is unmistakable. But I just, I, you know, I couldn't do that. I, I think it's think much so. more interesting to not. I mean, if you look at a lot of the bands, in the, in the joke of the cracked uh, ice or whatever, is like, uh, if you can't read it, it's not a metal band, not a death metal band, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of those bands, I can't even read them. So like, if your band title is that and people are still buying their stuff and it's hard to read, you're going to sell some. And it's not even different. It's like whatever you like, but I'm saying mm. usually yours is art and it's easier to see and understand. As long as people can yeah, read it, they're going to buy it, you know. But that's but that's it. It's it, it. I just like the idea that we can attach a little more significance to you know the particular look of a particular album. So maybe it's some iconography we're using. Maybe it's some color schemes or whatever. There's definitely a few common qualities. You know, we do like color. We do like beautiful things rather than the kind of abject and ugly stuff you mm -hmm. do find a lot in metal. Um, you know, for, for the most part, there are occasionally exceptions in our catalog. But those things appeal to us, so they've become a part of our aesthetic. How do you actually come up with the title? I mean, with that title, the well, the artwork, and then we'll go into the songs. Like, who's deciding yeah, the artwork? Um... Talking Rise Radiant specifically, yeah. so so I distinctly remember. I mean, album titles are another really hard thing. You know, they're, they're another thing that we put a lot of thought into. Um, I still remember Rise Radiant was pitched by I think I think Dale, our bassist, pitched it while we were just I think we were on tour in Melbourne. I think mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, we were actually doing. We weren't on tour. We were actually getting U.S. visas for the run that we did in um, 2019. Anyways, neither here nor there. That probably took you three months to get that. Yeah, I, it was an absolute nightmare, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I remember we were kind of talking about this being because we just had some membership changes. We had a couple of things behind the scenes which were a little problematic. So we were seeing it as um, you know a rise up again concept. Like, how do we come back from all of this? Uh, well, whatever limited success we've had. Um, how do we come back from all of this then kind of falling apart a little bit and treating this then as like a conversion to the next stage of the band? We, we didn't, of course, know that, you know, early 2020 COVID would hit, but that's also neither here nor there. Well, yeah, in the past um, what, so, five years, you lost two members, right? So Yeah, exa exactly right. And, you know, these are things that we felt were all very positive. I mean, Rise Radiant also became an album that was, you know, very collaborative. There were a lot of qualities to it that I think really, um, really matched the title. But I remember mm -hmm. Dale just pitched that out of a couple of, you know, words and terms that we'd been throwing around, basically just honoring that as a concept. Um, in terms of the artwork, it's actually a kind of funnier story behind that. Uh, again, each album cover needs to be different for us, right? And each right. release um, kind of material set needs to be quite different. So we were talking about thematically how you could portray a title like Rise Radiant without it being really cliche or really on the nose. Think like, you know, the Phoenix Rising kind of imagery, like it'd be so easy for it to be so overwrought and so cheesy. Right. So um, we, we came up, I, I believe the pitch 
and this will give you a bit of an insight into my, my ridiculous brain was uh, a propaganda poster for animals, right? So like we, we were looking at all of those beautiful kind of US national parks posters. You know, there's a lot of kind of, um, uh, how do I put it? Like a lot of ephemera kind of attached to that kind of stuff, you know, come to the great parks, you get kind right, of right. stone imagery, all that kind of stuff. And they're just gorgeous. Like as, as a kind of ephemera, as a um, particular approach to media, they're really addictive, that, that, that kind of artwork. So we thought, okay, how can we take something like that and make it feel like it's a little more organic, a little more natural, um, a little more like almost candid, I guess, to a degree. Um, and that's what we came up with out of it, you know, in, in, in combination with our artist, Chris Stevenson Mangos, who's done a lot of stuff for us over the years. Um, so that's the theme, propaganda poster for animals. It's ridiculous. But, it's you know, good. And, and people that aren't aware, you know, obviously, hopefully your fans are watching this, but people that aren't, aren't fans, the reason why I'm talking is we're kind of going backwards in a nonlinear way is because if you look at, listen to the album and look at the artwork, and you compare the artwork to something else of similar music, it's going to stand out totally different. Mm. So that's why it's a good talking point to start with, because it's so different in the, in the creativity yeah, no, of it. Absolutely. And you know, what's funny is I think the album cover was received really well, but you always get metal people who, you know, uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense to them why you would have. And they're going to remember that though. They go, that's cool. <laughs> if it was, say it was something else, say it was a Phoenix. They'd be like, that's cool. That's like that um, yeah, so that's... so band album. And then I forget about it, right? Didn't they have it's like a Phoenix or something? They're like, oh, there's that band. Even <laughs> they don't like it. They're the like, they're like logo, a... the Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, they're... it's exactly like, oh, right. I and I mean, they had this, the deer or something on it. Like, didn't they... if they don't like it, they'll be like, they'll remember it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's entirely true to our vision for the album too. So you know, if they, if they don't like it, it's fine. It's not for them. But you know, that's true of a lot of people, I guess, when you've got really colorful metal like we have. But yeah, that's the that's the concept anyway. So let's roll back into the actually. So Dale is not a part. Uh, it actually, when Dale came in in 2019, right at the beginning of this. Yeah. So the interesting thing about Dale is he he's actually one of my longest running collaborators. Like we actually did a university undergraduate degrees together. Like you know, I, I've known Dale for a very long time, and he was basically like a almost an auxiliary member of Caligula's Horse from the very very beginning. Like I was hanging out with him while I was writing that first album. Um, and just for, you know, circumstance, he, he never became part of the band. Just, you know, he was doing different things at the time, whatever mm -hmm. else. Um, so we actually brought Dale on tour in 2018 as our lighting tech for a European tour. Again, Dale's one of my best friends. So it's not like it was like, oh, you know, come and do this. It was just like, hey, you know, do you want to join us? Yeah. Um, and that was exactly the tour where we started kind of um, – realizing that you know dave wasn't going to be able to continue in the band like you know he he had had some health issues that made touring like that quite difficult and his head was just not yeah. really it's there. not for everybody it's not for everybody exactly right so so you know totally totally amicable um split and whatever else but it was awesome because it meant that dale was able to basically just move directly into the band like it, right. it was as though you know we Seamless. never stopped yeah it was it was kind of the first time that we really didn't even have to think about um auditions or anything like that you know he, here's our guy this is fine and it's it's been great obviously very cool so how did you go into with a new album though the themes and like the songwriting who's doing what and then the lyrics you know there was the battle of the lyrics the singer has to do the lyrics the guitar player does the lyrics if you're an iron maiden the bass player does the lyrics mm -hmm. <laughs> now for, for us it's never really been too difficult i mean like what, one of the advantages of starting the band as you know more or less jim and myself um is that we're always going to be the 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 kind of hub of the songwriting you know what i mean mm -hmm. it, like all of it at some point filters through um the process that we've just developed without really any conscious thought over the years 
Um, but the cool thing about having, you know, Josh and Dale, like they're both people who have a set of very diverse influences, some um, moving outside of the realm of what Jim and I are, are more focused on. Um, and whenever they're bringing ideas into that writing partnership, it always feels like it's kind of tugging us in, you know, slightly different threads, which as, an, as a musical artist is about the most exciting thing for me. So it ends up being a really fulfilling collaboration. And Rise Radiant, um, they've both got songwriting credits on it. And I suspect for our next album, um, it's going to be even more kind of, you know, uh, in I think it's important. I think it's hard. I think, I think if it fits and it works for everybody, that is the healthier way for the band. If everybody wants to write and everybody gets along and it works, it's going to be the, the best thing for a band. Yeah. You know, so it's the thing, like if somebody starts an album and you're like, one guy writes the album and then like the next album is success. And everyone's like, Oh, well, I'm not getting the, the checks, the royalty, you know? Yeah, they're like, I want to write, and then the album changes because if you're like, all right, but then the music changes. Well, that's the same. That right there is like that's that's a very valid concern. I mean, like I said, the the advantage that we have is that our general process is so set at this point in time that you know it it can be uh, pushed up against and it can be kind of messed with, but it's never really going to change, like in terms of the fundamentals of Mm -hmm. how the band create music. So it sort of puts us in a position where like any any ideas coming in are more just inspiring and exciting concepts because it gets us out of these, you know, after more than more than a decade of doing this, these kind of ingrained processes that we have. Um, so it ends up feeling really enriching as an artist. And there's really no concern of it being like a, you know, a drastic departure where suddenly is this even Caligula's horse anymore? Right. You know, could be the thought. Um, no, it's, it's great. It's, it really is. Well, that's the thing. I mean, cause you know, like- if you have two PA guys are doing the royalty checks at some point, you're getting more in, and the other two are like, This sucks, you know what I mean? We're not touring, <laughs> I'm not getting anything, you know. I didn't sign up for this. What's going yeah. on? Yeah. You know, I'm sure my own band, Caligula's Pony. You wait, I'm gonna show you up. The original Caligula's horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but so so what is the, the 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 touring and the music feel for you right now? Because like obviously when you started out younger guys how how does it go like for touring and recording and playing out and trying to balance having a family life and then getting through covid still trying to be a rock band growing moving forward in this day and age of the digital world there's a lot of minefields you know mm. there's no rules right now yeah, you're not younger so. guys anymore either you got families and stuff so your responsibilities change where it's not like well, i can just sleep on a couch i hope you don't mind back in the band it's not, oh, not like yeah. anymore. I mean, not to mention, like, even even a late night now just feels harder than it used to. But <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I that more of my show, my show, I have like bands that go, I was supposed to go on like at 12 o'clock. I'm thinking, I should be in bed right now watching Netflix. <laughs> exactly right. No, I mean, for us, like, by, by far the worst part of all of that was definitely the, the pandemic. I mean, it's, it's not an exaggeration to say that that, that, was about as catastrophic as it could be for us. Now, you know, I say all of this with the acknowledgement that for for many people, it was far, far worse. And no, we're talking about career wise. We're not. We're not talking. We're talking, talking career wise. We're, talking, exactly we're right. talking music on this. We're not talking. That, that's right. So just other the, stuff yeah, in, the, in the world is more important. People, we're not talking about this. This, this is a, a show yeah. about music and enjoyment. We're just talking about that. Exactly right. So you know, to to acknowledge that up front, though, um, oh, yeah. you know, for us, we we had just put together this album that was basically poised for 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 the next step in our career. You know, we had U.S. headline dates; it was selling really well. We you know ended up having both critical and commercial success that was unlike anything we'd seen for that record. 
And we were kind of looking at all of this happening while hearing the first murmurs from Wuhan, you know, about this, this pandemic breaking out. So we were kind of looking at, okay, this could be the next step in our career. Maybe we're getting to the point where we can, if not live off the band, certainly it's, you know, helping our life become a little more comfortable and we can thus put all of our energy into it and have to worry as much about day jobs or whatever else. And then, you know, thing after thing had to be cancelled. So first it was, you know, we're not touring anymore. That turned into not touring anymore for almost two years now until we've finally been able to do a couple of things, you know, after that huge gap. So, I mean, the short answer is that like in recent times, unfortunately the pandemic has more or less just been, we're on ice. We're, you know, we're in hibernation, working on music, trying to rebook and reschedule our tours as chances come back around. Fortunately, the end is in sight, but you know, it's, crazy to say that we basically lost two years to that i think some bands um, band, got crushed because of this you know i think some bands there were so many bands survive. that broke up yeah i mean we, we saw a ton of them and you know truth be told like there were definitely times where we would look at each other and just be like man what are we what are we doing no, this, this is, just, this is a pause for you guys you guys a pause you guys are on the cusp just don't let this be the thing oh we were all with the almost big band and then covid like everything else you became a stat no 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 you guys were like frozen like a freeze frame now exactly you go back right. Out again. Exactly right. You're, and, you're and I mean, still on that trajectory. You you can't stop now. Well, we 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 are, and I mean that's that's the hope. You know, like at the end of the day, we are just as uh, enthusiastic about doing it as we've ever been, and you know we're really excited to actually do the things that we miss. I tell you what, like when you when you're regularly doing big tours, mm-hmm. it's absolutely exhausting. Like it's it's one of the most fulfilling and interesting things you can do. But you know, you get home jet lagged and just fucked, and it takes you like a week to get back to normal. Um, but I tell you what, the moment that I'm not doing that, I miss it so much, <laughs> you know, it ends up being something that you derive a lot of your identity from, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you're going on the road, you're that's, playing that's songs, a good point. you're getting to know, you know them. A lot of so artists we, lost themselves during this, like a lot of long-term artists that have been touring forever. Yeah, that's That was right. their identity. And- and, they know they and that's anymore. why a lot of bands broke up. I think it's not, it's not just the financial impact or whatever else. It's like a lot of bands just stopped understanding who they were. I mean, we had this interesting, interesting um, realization about Rise Radiant. You don't really know an album until you tour with it, right? And you hear the audience sing it back to you okay, and you kind of get right. to know what the songs work, really mean work on a more it, personal right, yeah. level. Yeah. So we never got to have that with, with Rise Radiant. Well, we, we sort of got to a little bit recently because we did some Australian dates based around it. But, you know, for the most part, we didn't get that normal cycle of create the music, learn and record mm-hmm. the music, play the music for an audience and then, you know, repeat. Um, that was all suspended for this. But no, you're right. I mean, we'll, we'll be back at it soon. But the short version is the juggle for, you know, the touring and the musician life has just not really been normal lately anyway. Right. Um, we, we all find the time because we're, we're you know, extremely passionate about it. But, you know, I do, I, I do have some degree of sentimentality for, you know, 19 year old Sam who could just stay up all night and all day and in the next four weeks, just yeah. creating a bunch of music. It's a shame those things, those days are behind me, but at the same time, you know, you, you, you do the best with what you have. And right. because all of our processes are so streamlined and stuff now, it's, it's not too bad. Yeah. Touring sounds awful to me. It, like it never sounds good. <laughs> I don't even like leaving the house anymore. It's, it, it's great, but but it's it's hard, you know. It sounds awful. <laughs> well, it was so. It's it's interesting. Is also with the art part. Also, with this, is a lot of musicians during this time have focused on other things. I've known some people that have gone into painting, cooking, mm-hmm. um, like into like not just agriculture, but into like plants and and actually bees and things like like all different things mm-hmm. to experience it and. Or they've, or some of these bands for the first time have sat down and said, "We've never had time to write an album. Like, 
even if they were doing these small cycles and these small different, no matter what level band it was, they couldn't do it. They always had, mm-hmm. oh, I have to rush. We only have this budget. All of a sudden, everybody had this time. And a lot of bands were putting out their best albums in years after mm-hmm. this, you know, for a lot of great albums. Are you going to tour a lot off this album? Are you going to keep touring it? Or are you going to go back uh, or what? Well, I think like for, for, for the most part, we're kind of fixated now on, you know, the, the creation of the next record. I mean, it's, it's worth just teasing into one, one element of what you're saying. I mean, you know, a lot of bands did find this time, especially career bands, like bands who are, you know, living off their royalties and whatever else. For us, it was a little bit different. Like I basically found like as the, as the driver of Caligula Source, mm-hmm. I basically found that my, my career became really, really hard to keep up with. I'm, I'm a university lecturer. So suddenly everything I do is, you know, online and I'm trying to work out ways to do that. So instead of finding more time, I ended up finding far less time. You know, it was, it was very difficult to find the time to kind of focus on anything else really. Um, but I put together a, a solo single, which is coming out in September, hopefully. And I've got a couple of other little things that I was working on while also, you know, playing with the early elements of the Caligula Source mm-hmm. record. I think um, the, 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 the next one, I, I mean, the thing that we ran into um, is almost a sense of denial of like moving on from Rise Radiant before we've got to have our moment with it. If that makes sense, like it does. It's well, that's weird because like, what do you do with it? Do you play it some more? Because I like it and as a fan. I'm like, I'll hear all the music you want to put out. But I also yeah, but, but of course, want if to we, see you, you know, play it, you wrote it. Well, you that's right. It. If we try to book a bunch of tours around it now, I mean, it's a little bit hard to treat that as, you know, a selling point enough for a headline tour, being that it's now, you know, two years on. So instead, we, we're focused on the next record, but we're doing this with this kind of, um, the, you know, the, 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 these very negative connotations about saying the Rise Radiant chapter is going to be over soon, even though it never really got to be. You know, and that's kind of what, that's just kind of the, the nature of the pandemic, I suppose. They tie it in, you know. Well, I mean, we'll always be playing songs in the set list from it, of course. Maybe you know? your 20 year anniversary of that album, you'll go back and do the full album that you never got to do. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Maybe something like that. I mean, the, the beauty is that, you know, we're, we're already, you know, five albums in anyway. So no matter what we do, we're, we're, we're going to have a pretty mottled set list with a couple of songs from each other. Did record it help though? Or, how, how was it like, how was it uh, perceived though? Because a lot of people were home and there was no right or wrong I haven't heard. People, some people said, I'll do the album. I'll sit on it. Some people are like, I'm not going to do it. And some people are like, mm-hmm. I'm going to release it because people are at home and mm-hmm. they need it. And they're going to get it anyhow. And yeah, it's, it's, it, we, we definitely had that. We definitely had that conversation. Um, so when we were, when we were at the very ends of the production, that was right when, you know, the, the first outbreaks were happening in China. Um, so this is like, you know, late, uh, late, uh, 2019, late 2019, we finished that stuff. I think mixing went through to early 2020. Um, so basically, we uh, didn't really have the choice as to whether we were going to hold the album back because it was all done. Like everything was in motion. Schedules were set. Um, but even so, I don't think we would have changed it. I mean, what, what are you going to do? Hold on to an album for two years? You know, the well, problem is that there was, no, there was no real concept for just how long we would be suspended for. Right. So we saw it as, you know, this is a pretty important thing to do into a very cynical world. You know, we're a pretty positive band that tends to be one of the mm-hmm. qualities that um, alienate us from some, you know, more serious metal heads, I guess. Um, but we're definitely a band that see a gesture as small as like, you know, we're still going to release this album. It's still something that, you know, will mean something to our fans. It's still something that's going to mean something to us. Um, so there was never really any doubt, even if we did have the option around scheduling to put it out. Um, yeah, again, it was just a, you know, a matter of, of unfortunate circumstance. That I think you guys so are very prolific about writing. And I think like some of the bands that were like, say this from the career bands, 
wrote had the time to write their best album and they're like i'm not releasing it so i can tour it because they don't usually get that time to sit and write such, mm. you know what i mean they know they had their winner you know in the chamber and they're like <laughs> i'm gonna wait and put tour with this one because you know in, in a few years i'll be touring again trying to you know throw something together if you don't want to be asking and it's interesting a lot of people have the balance touring and music also with supplementary and other work mm. you're like elect- you said you're a lecturer how, how does that yeah. work with what you're doing and then having a public image as a musician putting in your <laughs> schedule like the balancing that people don't people don't think people think it's just rock stars and buses and caviar and you know just now just <laughs> okay, now i just wrote a line caviar on tour um yeah no it's it's it, it's a it's a funny one i mean for me it's just that that was another passion that i had like academia research you know kind of getting to getting to really dig into some subjects that i'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested and invested in um but for me it's actually a a, a bit of a boon like it, like teaching in you know a music department at a at a well one of the biggest music colleges in in australia certainly um amongst the highest ranked and i'm you know both a lecturer there but also i do all of the guitar teaching i do all of the guitar tuition at this like you know this this very respected musical institute which is really really cool because it means that you get a lot of people who come in who are caligula's horse fans i run into this you know a couple of times every intake um and it's either surprise for them or you know in some cases they know i teach them i love your band <laughs> so so yeah i mean it's for me it's it's never it's never anything um never anything other than a a, a cool experience you know an interesting well, an interesting it, point it, it's good that it relates and some people have jobs that relate to it and some people i know i know there's a lot of musicians that actually do it's it's the balance and it's why i think it's interesting and if i can roll back a little bit one of the things i talk about mm. sometimes is like the struggles that artists will go through to still have to perform to you know be mm. in a bus to be at their best and people can roll back even go back to like my original Dweezil Zap episode where I talk about like mm. the tour buses, how much it costs to do shirts, and then the merch that gets taken out. I've been always talking about that. And I just saw online um, one of the bands, I don't know which band it was now, just went online and complained during their show <laughs> about the venues taking 20% of their merch, you know? And I've been complaining about it because bands don't really want to say it because they don't want to look bad. So I've been mm. saying it because I'm not a band and I want to. Say, look, guys, <laughs> buy the merch online if you can help it, because <laughs> you know it's, it's, yeah, it it's be, unfair. It can, be, it can be a bit of a minefield, that's for sure. Right. So, so actually, just hearing somebody say that was pretty funny today. But, yeah. but to have a way of a career that balances it, it's like some artists do. Like, um, they have to do something that fits into it. You know, I mean, some people like, let them take time off from work. Their bosses like like their band, you know, or um, they'll do a real estate. Real estate seems to be another thing that you can do. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, with, with the university thing, the advantage is that there are, you know, these brief holiday periods all throughout the year, mm-hmm. unlike say a school teacher where it's, you know, shorter periods and, and much longer um, terms. So for, for me, it's like, I, I can usually fit most of what we want to do around that, but you know, worst case scenario, if I'm gone for a week, I can do online stuff as well. Well, that's the thing now. It's, it's, it's about accepted. as flexible it's as it way accepted now. Remember a couple of years yeah. ago? Well, I started my oh, definitely job. not a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's 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 a recent thing. But so so it's it's like it's not perfect, and it would be amazing if you know you could just focus on nothing but the touring and the writing, whatever else. But you know the reality is that especially post pandemic, it's just not going to happen. And you know I'm, I'm I guess I'm in a pretty fortunate position that my job doesn't line up too badly with it most. No, of the time. You, you're in one of the better ones I've heard. I mean, because like yeah, say it was like how many say six months before the pandemic, I'm an IT guy in the place that hired me. I says um. We're gonna make you uh, one of your things gonna be this thing called Zoom. You're gonna be doing like meetings and conferencing. Zoom, <laughs> really? With Zoom, 
so I learned Zoom, becomes like the master of it. And ironically, my show is based on it, you know, and like everything else yeah. afterwards. <laughs> and I'm like, it was like, I don't understand Zoom. I'm like, I'm just your guy. Because like right before it, it fell, I was right there being, you know, doing it for meetings and stuff. And it was, yeah. it was a struggle for everybody. And so then also seeing Zoom and other video platforms become a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I can actually go back even further. When I used to teach um, to public access way back in the day, and people used to have this thing called the interconnect where the teachers would talk and they'd play on the TVs in other schools. So they talked to the TVs with like different oh, technology. Yeah. It was really bad. And now this is acceptable. This, this counts as everything. Like nobody's like, you can't do that. Now this is it. This is how you teach. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you ask a random person what Zoom meant two years ago, you know, you get a very different response. It's crazy though, just how, how quickly it all proliferated and, you know, how quickly we all got used to it. It's yeah. opened the world a lot differently, though. It's been, it's allowed, I think, on some level, like this kind of communication, you know, mm. like you don't have to have the same type of world set up to do that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's very true. Do this for my house and promote everything. I have all the knowledge and skills prior to this, but may or may not have the finances of the time to get mm. into the rooms to sit with you or other artists. Yeah. But you can do everything else on your own. It puts you in that little, it's like a time machine. You can just zoop in there, do the stuff, you take it out, and then you can use your skills elsewhere and edit it. Um, yeah, definitely. So, so now the writing process, the touring process, where are we going with that now? Because, yeah, as, as, as things are opening up, where are we going? Are we looking at the US, the visa process again, which is awfully painful people? <laughs> oh. I got to tell you right now, you got to book them, you got to buy their stuff, nick them over here because the visas are expensive. You can't misspell your name on it. You go back to the end of the line. Oh, you don't want to make a mistake. That's just, and it's, like, it's, and it's a very expensive mistake. It's like five thousand dollars, I think, for a visa now. Last time, like five to ten. Yeah, so, yeah, pretty much. It's yeah, about that. So, so touring, they need to make the money when they're over here. So you go see them. Don't be like, I'll see them next time. You see them. You buy a shirt. That pays for those visas. What's have oh, you played? Have you played over sorry, here yet? Yeah. Have you played? Uh, yeah. So we did. We did um, the Pro Power USA Festival in uh, 2019 in. Um, uh or where was it uh atlanta uh yeah atlanta that's right um and we're actually coming back again in the first week of september next what year t- when, when did you go what time of year um it was i'm gonna i think it was september september october it was still probably hot there it's always hot there. yeah it was it was actually boiling it was kind of a surprise to i us, but... went to college there for recording which is for you know analog and go. everything and digital i, I literally did college for, uh, for video and, and a, a studio recording and coming from New England, we were talking earlier. I, I have all the seasons. I have four seasons here. They're all different. <laughs> yeah. And um, in Atlanta, it was always hot to me. I'm like, it's beautiful yeah. here. And then also, like September came along. I'm like, okay, let's see some fall. Christmas came along, like the holidays and in Hanukkah and all the holidays. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see some snow. A dusty of snow hit the ground. The city closed down. Like you could like walk <laughs> through it. You could you could sweep it off your porch with a broom. Uh, and the city great. closed because nobody has anything to go no one can deal with it. it right yeah sure <laughs> no so we're actually coming back in in um in uh, 2023 we'll be doing that festival again um we've got we've got plans for like the you know the next full run of u.s dates mm-hmm. um but given you know all of the well given the state of things right now we're not quite ready to announce that stuff yet um, but i'm just saying, just to say it, it will be it will be coming soon if, if um, you guys are we planning are it. really hanging out to do it Good. Hopefully you can do it. Hopefully I can get to see you guys. You get up near me. That would be awesome. Yeah, definitely. That'd be awesome. That'd I'm be sure awesome. we will. Well, this has been this has been fun, man. We will. I, if you great. want, I'll have you back again when you, you either come on the tour or actually your album done. 
Mm. We can do an album breakdown and talk about your new album and get some other members on that could make it. Maybe they can get a babysitter or we <laughs> <laughs> can find a, a time that uh, works Jim, better. This is directed directly at you. Jim, um... it's okay, man. I'm going to say I have, I have three kids that are all older now and I have a grandson. I've already put the time in. I get it. I get it. It's all good, man. Totally. <laughs> it's all good. All right. Well, it's been, it's been lovely chatting. Thank sure. you, man. Thanks for being on the show.